Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fever. Serving in the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in, in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you. Live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is man to avenge, our repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Thank you. Thank you, James. Thank you. And thank you, David, too. That's the second time I've heard that this morning. And the tears in my eyes, I was like, can I really look at my script and preach? Um, so thank you. You have to come tonight. But for, for now, for the next 12 minutes, you've got me. So, and then you can come back this evening. Um, so in the first three weeks of um, the You Are Loved series in Romans, um, we've looked at chapters 1, 5, and 8, as Jago said. And we focused on the wonder that we are loved by God, perfectly and permanently. He, his love for us proved at the cross and poured out by his spirit. But now having focused on his love for us, we discover what our response to God needs to be. The statement, you are loved by God, finishes with a full stop. Five words, nothing can lessen or um, increase that concrete truth. And yet this scripture teaches that if we are going to follow God's commandments and be his disciples and be all that he has called us to be, then that full stop actually has to become a comma. You are loved by God, comma, so that in all you say and do, you are called to love one another. Another book of scripture, John's first letter, tells us we love because he first loved us. How we see God is so important because it shapes our inner being. If we see God as love and trust that we are loved by him, then because of that, it changes everything in our own lives and the lives of those around us. Therefore, Christian ethics, the way we live as followers of Jesus, is shaped by our Christian doctrine, the way we think about God. One Christian author and pastor put it like this. His name was A.W. Tozer. And he said, what comes to mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. How we see God matters. It matters because it affects what and how we choose to live our lives. And so today is all about that word, response. How we act and live because of what we know. 
If we believe that God is love, then we will make it the most important thing about us too. Romans 12 is saying, I'm just as concerned that you know you are loved as I know I am loved. It's this passing on. We are no longer just looking inwards, but outwards beyond ourselves to those in our midst. God's love is not just this individualistic love that we keep to ourselves, but a community love, a family love. It's not just for you, but it's for the person sitting next to you right now. The first person you'll see tomorrow morning at work or as you log on to um, your screen. The neighbour you bump into regularly on the street, but maybe you can't even remember their name. It's for them. And it's for the parents at the school gates. It's for everyone we meet. So what does love for others look like in light of the fact that we are loved by God? Well, I wonder if you've ever applied for a job and looked at the job description and thought, what on earth? I can't do that job. That's so scary, so bewildering. Are they serious? Or maybe you've just thought, yeah, that's easy. I can totally do that. I'm applying right now. Well, Romans 12, I feel like is a bit like a job description given by our Father in heaven. Paul's letter to the Romans is neither an easy job nor completely impossible, but it is sacrificial. It's a high challenge, high invitational call to live the way of Jesus each and every day. It's a radical love for those around us. In our passage today, we see Paul using one of the four Greek words for love. There's four, you can look up the other three later. This one is agape. And up until now, he has used it only with reference to God's love. And now he is talking about the love we need to have for others. So what this biblical job description is, is the perfect picture of God's intention for his people. It's so much more than just being nice. God knows us inside out. He knows that it's easy to love those that we get on with, those that love us back, those who do everything we want all the time. But so often this isn't the case, is it? Love is both wonderful, joyous, exciting, but it can also be pretty messy, pretty painful. It's complicated and rarely a smooth journey. But God has given us these scriptures to help us do as he has done for us. He knows what you and I, what we need to hear when it comes to loving one another. So if you have your Bibles, uh, Romans 12, the first thing Jesus calls us to love with a sacrificial love what it means is seeking to have an invitational heart. An invitational heart. Verses 10 and 13 tell us this specifically. Verse 10, be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Verse 13, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Such simple statements. Yeah, with so much behind them. God invites us into relationship with him. He is the God of invitation, of welcome. Jesus, through his death, chose to put us all first. And he invites us to follow him and do the same. 
it's all too easy, and I speak for myself, to seek high positions or statuses in life at the expense of being so unaware of those around us. Again, I'm definitely talking to myself when I say, when we walk into church, do we stop enough and look around for that person on their own or maybe that person we just don't know uh, super well, but they look different to us or appear different to us? When you book trips away with groups of friends, is there just a chance that someone else could have been invited? When you make one of those many WhatsApp groups that we all have on our phone, is there someone you may have just excluded for one reason or another? This scripture is asking us pretty bluntly, do we have that same invitational heart as God? And this idea about hospitality Right now, food, the most basic thing in our world, is politically charged. People are struggling to afford food, to fill their children um, in so many ways. What does it look, look like here in this context? Many thoughts and ideas, I'm sure, will be coming to mind. And of course, in all these things, there is an awareness that we need to care for ourselves. God isn't saying... Um, you know, don't look after yourself. We all have busy lives. But I wonder if you were to get out your phone and just look at your diary this week, what does it look like? Who could you invite to spend some time with you? Who could you offer something to that maybe you just haven't before? Paul says here that Jesus is calling us to that agape, agape, I never quite know how to say it, calling us to that kind of love by seeking a heart of invitation, just as he has loved us with this eternal welcome. And secondly, sacrificial love means overcoming evil with good. From 17, verse 17 all the way to 21, really, there's this concept of, of overcoming evil. But I think verse 21 pretty much sums it up quite well. Do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. In the book called The Hiding Place by an author called Corrie ten Boom, she tells of her experience of sheltering Jews in Holland during World War II. And then having been discovered, attempting to survive with her sister Betsy in a concentration camp in Ravensbrück in Germany. She describes in the book how one cold December day, all the prisoners had to stand to attention and a girl with a learning disability had soiled herself and a guard rushed to her swinging this leather whip while the girl shrieked in pain and terror. And then Corey whispered to her sister, Betsy, what can we do for these people? Afterwards, I mean, can't we make a home for them and care for them? Betsy replied, Corey, I pray every day that we will be allowed to do this, to show them that love is greater. And then Corey writes, it wasn't until I was gathering twigs later that I realized I had been thinking about the girl who was beaten whilst my sister was thinking of their persecutors. One story, but a story that reflects a radical love that God has called us to. It's explicitly different to the way of the world. 
And it can sound the most trivial statement that God says we must seek to love those that hurt us. But it's true. Sacrificial love looks like being a peacemaker. Treat the one who hurt you with goodness and kindness. Overcome evil with good. It's so countercultural, but we have to know we are not doing this on our own. Followers of Jesus have the Holy Spirit living within us, and He longs to help us. God is a God of peace. Jesus is even described as the Prince of Peace. He aspires to it, and we must too. In a world of peace breaking, This scripture shows what a thoroughly relevant and dynamic force Christianity is. And yet love doesn't actually equal approval or agreement or sacrifice of the truth. But it does mean love, sacrificial love. Paul uses the phrase in verse 18, if it is possible, three short words, four short words, but we must do everything in our power to establish peace. But sometimes that just does not come from the other person in front of us or the other people's. God understands our hearts though and our actions, but we must do everything in our power to establish this kind of peace. Loving people radically changes our hearts and it can change theirs too by the power of the Holy Spirit. I haven't found um, preparing for this talk particularly easy. And I think it led me to ask myself, well, why? Why is sacrificial love so hard? I get this all wrong so often. I love so little. I sacrifice so little. And yet this is the call for us all to live a life of discipleship was never going to be easy. And so the final question we can find ourselves asking is, Is it worth it? Is it worth it? What do I gain from sacrificing so much of my choices, of my needs for the sake of others? Well, in order to truly answer this question, we have to turn our eyes towards our Father, towards our God. Did he ask this very same question? Do we see him asking, is it worth it? Well, he could have done he should have done he could have asked is sacrificing my one and only son worth it for all of humanity that I've created but who turned their backs on me well we can be so sure and certain that this isn't the kind of God that he is for all of us he doesn't want us to be left on our own he will never force us to love him but he chose to offer us his love despite our reaction towards him. His love is for us and we need his help by the gift of the power of the Holy Spirit to do the same, to love sacrificially. And as the church, we have to get this right. It's not just the exceptions, but us all. And I really believe we can. The way we love and honour those around us is a reflection of the way that we can each see how God has loved us. And the words are here in this scripture. They're they're preaching itself, these words. 
It's so easy to read and hear them. But how are we going to respond? How are we going to let them change and influence our lives? Is it going to matter that that potentially difficult person at work, that potentially difficult relationship in our lives, or whoever may come to mind for us, is it going to matter that they know how much they are loved by God? Whatever sacrifice that might take for us. To finish, Jesus' words in the book of John, verse, chapter 13, verses, um, just verse 35. This is how the world will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Amen.